Hello and welcome to 2021, where we're starting it off with the first podcast on the Dynamo Podcast Network of 2021, um, with a new podcast, Retrotainment, where we're going to look back at old films, video games, computer games, some CDs, anything from the past, just to just to see does the nostalgia carry it or does does it really have a place in our hearts though because it deserves to be. Um, this week, I am joined by another Dynamo's Podcast Network host, uh, Niall Hogan, uh, host of the Upper Tier and one of the four Podmen. How are you doing? Really good. Great to have me on. Uh, really looking forward to this. This is this is something I really um, really enjoy. I love all retro nostalgia type stuff. You know, really get you going. Yeah, well, just as a little inside information, this this idea kind of came from yourself. This was something that you were. I, I don't know if you were thinking about doing it, but you you had the idea for the podcast but obviously you already had a lot on your plate with doing the four podmen and doing the upper tier so yeah i was i was brainstorming with ian one night and we were talking about you know different shows that we could add to the network because obviously we continually want to expand the network all the time and um a couple of ideas came up and one was like you know a retro sort of movie tv just a retro overall show you know um, I suppose these things always come around even closer to Christmas because obviously when, when you get into the Christmas period, you know, you're back watching all the Indiana Jones and the Die Hards and the, the Supermans and yeah, the Star Wars and all the old retro stuff. So it kicks that nostalgia buzz in big time. And um, yeah, so that's kind of where it spawned from. We thought, yeah, that'd be a great idea. But obviously with myself and Ian, we're kind of chaotic with the podcast that we're in at the moment and stuff like that. So we said if we could find someone, no one better than yourself, Ted, to get involved in retro stuff, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I'm the same as you. Like, I'm constantly going back and watching things from the past, you know? Like, I just, there is that nostalgic feeling, that buzz that you get. And it kind of, it does bring you back to your childhood a bit when you sit down and you watch, you watch something that you watched when you were, you know, a kid. And like, even, even if, you know, you were just sitting down watching the TV or whatever as a kid, it does kind of bring you back to that kind of safety of a, you know, the rest of the world's problems are kind of gone for a little bit as you sit down and you watch that. Yeah. Kind of like, it, it's just, you know, especially in current times at the moment where people are on lockdown and struggling mentally with COVID and all this kind of stuff, you know what I mean? It's great to like reflect back on them, um, your childhood and your adolescence and the stuff that was, um, the stuff that was, um, you know, that you cherish. And um, I, I've um, I've three kids here, and uh, one of my sons, Ben, he's he's, you know, I'm pushing him through all the retro stuff at the moment. You'd see from my Facebook updates at the moment, like we're watching, he's been watching Dirty Harry, Goodfellas. We've been watching. Last night we watched Heat. He's just after completing the Police Academy series. Oh. Like it's just just such classic stuff, you know what I mean? And he's he's actually blown away by it. We watched Speed the other night with Keanu Reeves. Oh Absolute yeah, belter of a movie. Um, we still have Point Break on the list, the ex-presidents and all that. Like So, like, really, really cool classic stuff. He's a big Star Wars fan, loves The Mandalorian. Ah, oh, brilliant, yeah. There, but loves all the old class stuff as well. So, for me, it's like me reliving my childhood through his eyes as well, introducing him to this stuff, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just great fun, you know? It's great sort of um, friendship to have as a father and son as well, you know? Yeah, I'd say that's one of the big things is for, especially for parents, being able to sit down and watch something and kind of have the kid... And um, now kind of nostalgia and, you know, collecting figurines and stuff is kind of, it's widely accepted. People don't really have that big a deal with it. But 
kind of like 20, 30 years ago, that kind of was frowned upon. It was kind of, oh, that's a real nerd thing. And you didn't tell your friends about it. You know, it was kind of, yeah. it was your dirty little secret that you had all these toys and you collected them and stuff. Not so much now. And I think a lot of people when they got, when they got older 30 years ago and they had the kid, they were now able to go out and buy this stuff. And there was no, um, there was no stigma. Like you, you yourself, you sell, you know, wrestling figurines and DVDs and things and stuff in your shop. And, I don't know, mate, like you, you you weren't open back then, obviously, but uh, even back then people would have been kind of, oh, I don't really want to go in and buy that. Like, cause you know, the shopkeeper is going to look at me and people around me and what's he buying toys for essentially. But when you had a kid with you, you know, you could buy whatever you wanted and you could say it was for the kid. But when you got home, that was, that was for you. And, you know, it was hidden away. And I think, I think that's part of like retro has kind of allowed people to go back and rewatch stuff that they watched when they were kids and get into that and now that if they want to go and collect something a figurine or a collectible of some sort that they can go and do that now because retro has become such a big thing like even in the film industry they've re-released a lot of films um bill and ted which was huge back in the day they re released a third film which you know no one was expecting before they said they were doing it um so people are able to look back and reflect on these things and re-release well, not re-release, but make new one, new films from old franchises. And I think uh, some people don't like that. They say, you know, oh, it's, it's Hollywood running out of ideas and stuff. I don't think it is. I think it's just that, you know, Hollywood's going to cash in on what's what's popular. And what's popular at the moment is is this retro um, nostalgic buzz. So, of course, they're going to rebuild brands and things. Yeah, well, I think if you look, I mean, I mean, not to give out in the way, and I'm sure hopefully everyone has watched it this days, but if you watch The Mandalorian, yeah, the, Ma the Mandalorian nearly ends nearly every episode with a bit of a take back and a nostalgia buzz, and certainly the end of season three pulled on people's heartstrings big time, yeah, huge. Of it, you know what I mean? So, like, you know, reflecting back is not a bad thing, and it's a good, it's a good way. And, and when you think about Disney with The Mandalorian, they've hit the spot with that really big time because the, their previous, um. Uh, foray into Star Wars, let's say, has been questionable at best. So the Mandalorian's been refreshing that they brought your man John back as well to do it. Um, but yeah, it's 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 kind of like I, I kind of like because I grew up in a time as well. Like I started following wrestling at a very young age, and like I remember going to school. Like no one, no one in my class, bar two or three of us actually followed wrestling and we kind of spoke about it ourselves like it you know like that sort of dead poet society kind of thing yeah and over it, in the corner yeah we kind of like we'd made out at lunch break or at small break or something like that and go yeah did you see it last night it was yeah awesome, wasn't it? you know what i mean but no one else knew what the hell we were going on about they all thought we were crazy like you know what i mean um so i, I kind of never really cared and then a lot more people kind of got on board as it exploded and went into attitude errors and hogan and warrior and all these different things you know what i mean and retro was very like that as well you know what i mean it's like um there's no frowning upon being a collector anymore if you're a collector it's kind of a cool thing it's like a badge of honor really yeah um and I think and you can see from my background, I'm a crazy collector. You know what I mean? I yeah, well, you know, and why shouldn't you be? You know, you know, yeah. that's your money. If you want to spend it on that, who's yeah. anybody to judge anybody for what they yeah. collect? Like everyone collects something. Like some people collect, like I can see yourself, you have, you know, some of the scarves and stuff from yeah. obviously matches and things you've been to. Yeah. Like some people collected them, but they'd have frowned upon people collecting something else. Yeah, but I mean, you're collecting, like, you're still collecting scars, you know. Like, yeah. I could look at that and be like, "What are you collecting them for?" 
I've, I've a kind of a wide variety of stuff that I collect. You know, I mean, I say it to people as well when people ask me what music I like. My my playlist on my phone is absolutely crazy. You know what I mean? My, mine would be quite quite yeah. eccentric as well. Yeah, like yeah, I mean, I, I, mainly I'm the, the the long hair, the rocker, and that's what everyone yeah. expects. And you know, yeah. to be fair, they're they're right to expect that because. When I was 13, 14, 15, you know, that sort of age, you know, you, you yeah. pick your music and that's the one you're you're into. You didn't like anything else, you know, you couldn't you couldn't admit you liked anything else. Yeah. And I remember Jericho talking about it once where he um he got interviewed when he was like, I think he was like fifteen or sixteen or something, outside of a Brian Adams or something was playing in his town and he was caught on telly, oh, what do you think of Brian Adams? And he said he wasn't gonna, you know say shit because he wants to be on the telly so he's like yeah he's pretty good and he got slagged ridiculed by all his friends that were into rock music and stuff because he said no, brian adams is all right and he was like no no i didn't mean it. i didn't mean it yeah. but like when he looks back now he's like why did i care like brian adams is good like why did i care yeah. and that's the way i was when i was a kid so when i was younger you know it was rock music and rock music only but as i got older i was like i really do love all this other stuff like i enjoy listening to that so why shouldn't i just have a lashed in there yeah, I suppose when we think about it, there's probably about is there probably sixty to seventy retro movies out there, maybe that that we sort of put into this sort of, if you want, like a time capsule or go to kind of movies. And stuff yeah, like there that, is. Yeah, so it's a it's a massive um for you in the podcast and stuff like that. It, it's it's a massive um time capsule to open, really. You know what I mean? And it's, yeah, it's, it's quite exciting because. I get really excited about a lot of these movies, you know what I mean? Because they do remind me of good times in my life at a time where you're within bad times in your life because of COVID and lockdown yeah. and business, all that type of thing. So it's it's a, it's refreshing, you know? Yeah, it is. Um, so this week with the, um, obviously with Cobra Kai being one of the biggest shows, and I'd say it's up there with Mandalorian. I'd say those two are kind of two of the biggest shows. Mandalorian is Disney's one and Cobra Kai, which originally... I believe was a YouTube series that they made and then Netflix picked it up, which just shows what can be done. Like people think, you know, you have to be with these big companies, but you don't like YouTube, like Cobra Kai was a hit on YouTube, but you know, people don't go to YouTube to watch series. So when Netflix picked it up, it, it it gained a huge amount of popularity. But season three was just released there uh, yesterday. So with that in mind, I said that for the first one, Maybe we should just go with the Karate Kid, the original, 1984, summer of 1984, it was released. Um, it wasn't, you know, it didn't have any, I don't, I wasn't around then, but I don't remember there being any sort of big hype around this film. You know, obviously it had its its promotionals in the cinema and the odd ad on telly, but I don't think anybody was expecting this to become not even a cult classic, but a, a classic in a lot of people's eyes, some films just become cult classics and then gain popularity and notoriety from that. But I think this kind of, this just hit the hit the ground running um, with a box office of a, a hundred million by the end of it. Um, which, you know, when you're looking back at 19, people might say now that a oh, hundred million's not, not really that much, but you have to look back at this is 1984, like different time, different money, like a, I wasn't like I wasn't born then, but uh, were you going to the cinema then? A cinema ticket then was probably what. Oh yeah, I was going then. I'm I was born in 1972, so I would have been 12. 
Yeah, so, so this, what? A cinema ticket would have been a couple of euro, a couple of pounds or something. Then would it like not even that? You probably would have got in for about like you know an old pound or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I mean like. I remember that at that age you could go into town. I used to go into town with friends of mine and we'd go to the movies. You'd be able to buy something, go to the movies and get your McDonald's after it and all for about £15. Yeah, you know, sure, I remember. have a great day in town because we used to go in and do the arcades and all. And everything, yeah, you know, oh, the arcades, play. I miss yeah. them. We used to go in and play the old Return of the Jedi games and all and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, oh, I miss the old arcades. Oh, uh, there, is a, there is a place in town, I don't know if you've been to it, um, that does all the old arcade games. Obviously, no one's gone to it now because or closed down, but they have a lot of the old arcade games. Yeah. It went in there with work, um, and like work kind of organized it as like a bit of a, a joke. Like we'll go there for a couple of minutes, yeah. and like we'll grab something to eat there. And I like we had to sit down and have this food. And like you know the food was grand, but I, I didn't want to sit down and eat food. Like I was sitting yeah. in there, hadn't been in an arcade, yeah. and like the old um, what was it? The old WrestleMania game was there on the you know the the analog joystick and i was yeah, just yeah. looking at that and i was like yeah. oh there's yeah. a queue i kind of want to play that so i went off and played a few games and they're like come on and sit down i was like oh yeah my favorite game what i'm here then. i used to play uh paper boy was a big one yeah uh, gauntlet was a big one and what was the other one you used to play pacland you know the one where pac-man used to run along yeah yeah, yeah. on his legs oh, man i love that game the amount of yeah. hours i spent playing that game is ridiculous um i i grew up the like arcades were kind of gone they it had kind of become more the um you know, sitting into the like the car boot seats and things yeah. like that as I was growing yeah. up. But um, yeah. the Bottle Nally and Bray always had a, a couple of arcade games back then. Yeah. Uh, one of them was a virtual soccer was one yeah. of them. Yeah. Uh, there was a tennis one and then uh, Metal Slug 3. I used to yeah. pump money into Metal Slug 3, me yeah. and one of the boys sitting beside us. And yet half the time, one of the buttons didn't work because it'd been mashed too much. So you were just like, come on, couldn't get anything done. It was yeah. a disaster. Yeah, the one we used to go into was that Broadway one. It used to be just at the top of O'Connell Street. It's beside where, you know where the donut kiosk is? I do, yeah, I do. I do and know where that is. Well, I'll tell you, sorry, that donut kiosk was even there back then. That donut yeah. kiosk is there. Oh, it's been there forever. Yeah. It's a staple. Like It's a staple. Yeah. Talk about nostalgia. I yeah. can't, you can't not go in. Like, you're in yeah. town, you want a donut. People yeah. are talking about their... Their Boston donuts, their offbeat donuts, all these other things. You want a nice sugar donut? Yeah. There's only there's only one spot in town. There's only one. Yeah, real retro, real yeah, retro. That's donut. the stuff. But um, yeah, no. Uh, so this was released. I I normally don't really look up things like this, like ratings on films, because I I generally don't care about what a film rated myself. But uh, I said I'd have a look and see because I've never. I don't think I've ever talked to anyone who didn't enjoy the original karate kid at the very least so i said i'll have a look now and see what the ratings were so i went on to uh, rotten tomatoes and with critics uh, i think there was there was less than 50 critics that gave it a rating but overall i had an 89 percent which is you know that's pretty good um and then an audience score of 82 percent. so that's still really good and audience can just be anybody and you know what some people are like they'll you know yeah this film's old one star so like you know you're talking <laughs> yeah an imdb 7.3 out of 10 so you're talking you know a, a fairly well-loved film that seems to yeah. both critics and uh audience score alike like some films you'll see critics praise to the heavens and you know you, you can tell they're being paid to praise this film because the audience score is down in the 20s and you're like well, there's obviously something not good about this but uh, like to see them both in and around, like 7% isn't really anything when you're talking about thousands of votes and things. So 
it, it just shows how well this film kind of held up. Yeah, these 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 film rating things like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that, they're kind of weird as well because you know if there's any slight deviation in the rating at all, it drags the sort of medium down on it. You know that. Yeah, kind of it way. does. Yeah, and it really it really kind of kills it, and especially at a time. I mean, this was coming out at a time as well where probably some of the Bruce Lee movies and stuff like you know they yeah. were they were probably doing really well at that time as well, and it was kind of like you know we were beginning to see move into that era of sort of action type movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And it, it was it got a very good ratings considering that like its underlining its underlining sort of message was kind of karate and stuff like that and like karate wasn't that like exciting really I, re- I remember when the movie came out it did spawn up a lot of karate sort of clubs that's um, what I was going to ask yeah like and it did have a big influence but the, the one thing I noticed as well is that a lot of these karate clubs they kind of worked in isolation and stuff like that but then they actually started running tournaments on the back of this movie, like, so a lot yeah. of karate clubs will be running tournaments against each other and stuff like that. So, like, it, it did have that kind of pop culture effect and that kind of, um, you know, that kind of influence. I know, like, hundreds and thousands of karate clubs spawned up in the US on the back of it and stuff like that. Mm. And karate kind of became cool again because every everyone sort of judged karate as a form of self-defense as opposed to a form of sort of, you know, if you like fighting. Um, and uh, so it was always that sort of, like, you know, uncool brother of sort of Kung Fu or, you know, yeah. e- even the different types of karate, you know, um, had different sort of, um, you know, ways of doing things and different gradings and stuff like that. And also, I do remember karate being a big deal then on the back of the movies and stuff like that and all and people getting more interested in it, you know. Yeah, that was something I was going to ask you because obviously like this film's come out a bit before my time. So it wasn't something that, you know, I got to see growing up, but when I was growing up, kind of two, and these are the two of the huge films for me as well, like I said, are definitely going to be done on this podcast at some point. But uh, anyone who knows me, like two of the biggest films for me growing up and still to this day were uh, Space Jam, which is obviously basketball, Michael Jordan and Looney Tunes. And then uh, The Mighty Ducks, which used to be on, and I, I haven't seen it on the telly since, but it, when I was a kid, that used to be on, the, the that used to be one of the Christmas films. Now, whether it's really a Christmas film or not, that's what it, that's when it was on. It was on every Christmas, the big, big movie, 6 p.m. One of them was on each year. So you might watch Mighty Ducks 1 one year, Mighty Ducks 2 the following year. And in some years, it'd be back to Mighty Ducks 1 and Mighty Ducks 3 wouldn't have been on. But then the following year, you get three. So I used to watch them. And obviously over here, um, ice hockey never really took off. But I remember even then, on the back of them, that basketball was something that I got into. I was just like, oh yeah, I'd love to love to play that i went down i played basketball a bit here and there but it's like i'm a small guy now and i was even smaller then so you know and it was just kind of a load of lads running around playing there was no real coaching no real anything yeah. like it wasn't something that was looked at as a sport over here whereas it would have been in the states and i'd imagine basketball kind of took off a, a good bit then now it obviously still had its big following because because the nba was there i'm sure michael jordan was the biggest thing in the world but um that's how like the karate kid obviously had the same effect people saw it and they were like this is cool like this is something i, I could do like something i want to do yeah i kind of just remember like um i remember you know even thinking back to my school time that crane kick became a feature of a lot of yeah. school yards you know what i mean it was just like lads were just obsessed with it you know like <laughs> I, and I mean it's not gonna work like some you do that some lads just gonna sweep the leg and you're gone but yeah, yeah, and that, that whole sweep the leg thing as well, you know, that was going to, like, the, these slogans that came out of it that are yeah. there even now, like, 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 you even hear UFC fighters to these days screaming things like sweep the leg and going around with these little slogan t-shirts on them. Yeah, 
it's pretty great. cool, like you know, it's cool, cool throwback, you know. And yeah, I always know. remember one of the things that um, you know, the in the scene where he uh, his leg is sore and he gives him the big clap and rubs his hands to to heal the knee. Yeah. Um, Alien Ant Farm had a video at one point um for one of their songs. What was it? Something about go to the go to the movies or something like that. I can't remember the name of the song, but um, they're obviously watching the Karate Kid, but they're not going to pay to use the Karate Kid. So what they did was they have uh, the lead singer in the crane kick position, and then he goes down and the legs sore, and they have Mr Miyagi run in and he's like oh, and he heals the leg, and sure that must have come out in the early two thousands or something. So yeah. even then this film was yeah. still getting getting those little references from people, you know. Yeah, well, I think I think the whole Mr Miyagi thing. I mean, he's 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 probably more iconic than Larusso when you think about it. Down he is, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if if you're if you're buying a Karate Kid T-shirt, Miyagi has to be on it, or Miyagi Dojo, or something like that. Yeah, well, otherwise it's just some kid, like you yeah. know, he, yeah. like I know La, Larusso is the main character, yeah. but he's not the main character either because the main character is Mr Miyagi who is the trainer he's the yeah. you know he's the guiding light in all this yeah i think that i think the um the, the premise of the movie is really the dynamic between the two of them really isn't it it's uh that the, the the highly educated mr miyagi you know who has these life experiences and then you've got daniel larusso there who was trying to muddle his way through life who's dealing with a lot of stuff he hasn't had to deal with before and miyagi trying to keep him on the straight and narrow you know what i mean trying to give him these life goals yeah um, well i mean like the film starts off obviously with uh, Daniel LaRusso moving from um, moving from New Jersey to California and you can tell like pretty much from the off that he's not happy about this as you know like I never moved as a kid like I've lived in the same spot my whole life but like any idea of even like when I was a kid like if I look back when I was a kid and even now like if I think like oh, if I was to move and not just you know down the road like from Bray to Shankill or something like that you know and even that would have been considered a big move for me because I mean like I won't be my friends from school won't be right there like the lads I hang around with in the estate and stuff they won't be there like that would have been considered a big deal to me like this kid's moving like New Jersey California you're moving across country like um, and you can tell from the off like he's not happy about this so any friends he did have they are gone like those like and this is before, like, people now, like, kids now might look at that and be like, oh, you can just keep in contact with them. Not back then. Like, you'd have had to be sending postcards to the lads. And, like, that's only going to last so long when you're, you know, presumably, like, he gets his driver's license in this film. So you're presuming he's in and around kind of the 14, 15, 16-year-old mark. I don't really know what age they can get a provisional license over in the States at. But yeah. over here, it's 16. So yeah. I'm presuming it's in and around then. So you're in your teen years, you know, you're angsty, you're angry, you know, life's kind of you're going through changes anyway, and then you're you're uprooted and brought down to this new place where you're you're gonna have no friends, no nothing. And you can tell from the off when his mom's singing about California, and he's just not happy that like this is just not something that he wanted. So, yeah, I could imagine it's a massive cultural shock. I mean, if you think about moving from the east coast to the west coast, my God, what a dynamic! Like, I mean, how those two places are actually connected to the same country is beyond me. Like, it's just yeah. it's and powerful. they drive as well. That's the funny thing. They drive the whole way in this this yeah, car yeah. that he has to him and his man have to get out or that he has to get out and push to to start it because the engine's so yeah. dodgy. Like, that's a long long ass drive. Like, that's days and days in the car with your mother like <laughs> it's kind of really the summary of you, you you know when they tell you to go to california to find the dream yeah you know that this this was the epitome of that you know leaving with like 
you know, a few bucks in your pocket, a car that barely works and trying to go find your new life. And like you can see even culturally and, and even if you look at New Jersey, New Jersey is even a culture within itself on yeah. the coast. You know what I mean? Whereas California, okay, you have LA and stuff like that was kind of out there on its own. But there's a certain consistency in California, um, you know, from San Francisco right down. Um, but uh, yeah, to compare that to New Jersey and living in New Jersey, which is, you know, I know California's on the coast as well, but Jersey's kind of that like sort of small seaside town. Yeah, but like that's like saying, you know, I'm on the East Coast here, like over in Ireland. Like that's like saying go over to the West and live there. Like there's even a difference there and that's that's nothing in comparison. Like, Yeah, it'd be like, it'd be like moving from Dublin to say, be like moving from Dublin to say Mayo or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's a different, of, like it's different. It's just a different vibe. It's a different lifestyle and it's like, and it's kind of like, I suppose if you're in New Jersey, I would imagine New Jersey is kind of, tight you know from the sounds of talking to people and listening to people from new jersey everyone knows everyone's business it's kind of tight um and you're kind of in there in the community people know you you know yourself and you go to california california is so anonymous like yeah. everyone is just everyone you know what i mean and you're all in this melting pot that gets stirred um, and some people fall over and become stars and do well and be successful and then the rest just get sort of rinsed down the yeah track. i think new jersey kind of tends to be a little bit more um kind of straight down the middle it's not uh rich to poor in the way that california like uh, california is very some people are very rich and then some people are very poor in california and that's to do with as you said like people have moved there to live the dream which is essentially what happens here because his mother moves down and he talks about that her job is going to be something to do with space and engineering and stuff like that and then the first time we see her working she's working in a fucking restaurant yeah i mean this is just the epitome of someone moving down failed dreams and she's telling them in the restaurant, like, oh, I'm going to go for a manager's job and it's way better and it's better than that space job ever was going to be. And you're looking and you're like, well, that's obviously not true. But like you're trying to convince yourself as well as your kid yeah. that, you know, that you've landed on your feet and that this is good for you. And it's not. But, you know, this is someone who's gone down and they failed. And you can even see the love interest in this, Ali with an eye. Her parents are from the rich side of um rich side of california and he's living in reseda which is obviously considered to be one of the poorer parts yeah. and her parents are kind of they're put out that she's you know going out on a date with this lad at all when he mentions that he's from reseda and that is you know the mother's car has to be push started and that he didn't have his own car and things like that so you can kind of see like that's what california was like and this is a young kid in you know his teenage years having to move there with he makes a friend pretty much straight off the bat when he cry, he kicks that door open into uh into his mate's face, into uh Mike's face. Is yeah. it Mike? Uh or no, Freddie, into Freddie's face. Yeah. But sure, Freddie and his mates all turn their back on him nearly straight away after they bring him down and he gets into the fight with uh Johnny LaRusso. So like, you know, he has no friends and he yeah. never has any friends. His only friend in the whole film is Mr. Miyagi and yeah. Ali and his mom, like that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. The mom, the mom is trying to bridge the gap between, like Miyagi is trying to teach him the life goals and stuff like that, and the principles of life and stuff like that. And the mother's trying to, you know, fill in the gap there in terms of relationships and yeah. you know all that kind of thing. So it's 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 a really interesting dynamic. And I think what she's trying to do is she's trying to, you know, smooth over and convince him that they had made the right move. You know, because I mean, obviously going back to New Jersey, you never want to go back like a failure and stuff like that, you know? Like yeah. That's and that's it. She, she tries to convince them that, you know, everything's good and that everything, yeah. like everything will be fine and things like that. Yeah. 
and he like at one point he just he basically just flips out at it um you know i just want to go back and like you know you look at that and people might say that's over dramatic and you know yeah he's gotten into a few fights with johnny larusso i mean he he gets knocked down this massive hill on his bike which you know he goes home and all he has is a little cut on his head like i mean no broken bones no nothing talk about luck but he's going home and he says i want to go home people might say it's a bit over dramatic but like you're 15 like you are going to react like that you are going to be angry and you'll take it out on like obviously it's not the bike's fault that this stuff happened but he takes it out on this inanimate object and he's just screaming about wanting to go home and calls his mother out on you know not asking him how he felt about moving and stuff like that's all stuff that when you look back at and you're like that it is how would you would react if you were a kid you know yeah i think some of that uh, some of the acting that he played and that was fantastic in terms of you know not being able to fit in and the pressures on teens to try and fit into different situations and stuff like that and i think um you know that's that even stands up true even to today you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's not a timing thing, really, from a retro point of view. But I think he really acted it out well. You could see the way, like, he used to lose his mind and he'd flip out and stuff like that and all, you know, when the pressure would bubble over. I mean, obviously, there was a lot of pressures in school and stuff like that. He was having pressures trying to fit in with the, the girls and stuff like that. He was kind of the most uncool, cool guy, if you like, you know what Yeah, I mean? he like, was, yeah. like He, he the, really the, struggled, you know? The, the most popular girl or like obviously you know you don't really get any indication that she's the most popular but you know that's the like that's kind of the premise they're giving is that she's one of these most popular girls in the school which is highlighted by the fact that you know she's on the cheerleading squad and stuff which yeah. is a real u.s trope for you know that's the popular girl yeah. um and she has all her friends around her all the time yeah. um he's trying to impress her and she seems to be impressed by him which shows that you know he's in some way cool but all her friends seem to think he's a complete loser yeah. and everyone in the school thinks he's a complete loser yeah. Uh, one thing I did find weird is that when he goes over, that the the main sport that they focus on for him is is football, and not American egg ball football, like our football, uh, which it can't have been big in the the US at the time. I'm trying to think. The US, the World Cup wasn't in the US in and around then or anything. So I'm trying, no. kind of like, what had them think? You know, was that to kind of highlight how different he was? Is that what the idea was here? That you know, he doesn't play one of the big American sports. Was that like just a little subtle hint of how different he is? I don't really know. Well, I think physically, physically, he didn't look like he'd fit into American football, nor did he look like he'd fit into sort of, you know, wrestling or any of the typical college stuff that happens there. You know what I mean? And he kind yeah. of he kind of came across as a sort of like, um, you know, I suppose back then we're talking 84 as well, you know, where you know, kind of soccer, if you like. Yeah. Sort of, you know, he was kind of that soccer, tennis, maybe gymnastics type of thing. Yeah. You know I mean? And he kind of like, I think, I think it was their way in the movie of sort of making sure that he kind of like, you know, he didn't come across like most of those cheerleader girls would have went out with footballers off. The yeah. That's my point. Yeah. Like, was that kind of like, was that yeah. like, it obviously has to be intentional, but it's just, it's a strange one that they picked yeah. football, like, because it's not something that like, even now it's not, big in the u.s it's getting bigger in the u.s but even now it's not big so in 1984 it was probably nothing like yeah it was just an it was just an add-on for people who didn't make football as in american football or yeah football or whatever it was you know so they had to give them something to do yeah uh, i thought it was funny that he goes for like the like presumably this the trials for the school football team or whatever and obviously the cobra kyle lads are there and they're already annoyed at him because he's he's talking to your one alley with an eye and yeah. you know the whole thing at the beach and johnny lawrence has his issue with him so he's running along and he gets a like it's clearly a foul your man doesn't go for the ball but he hooks him 
and his first in, his first instinct is i better fight this lad i mean like imagine that was the case when you were in school here like you were picking up those fouls day like every couple of minutes you'd have someone take the boot to you like that yeah, you you wouldn't be on the pitch too long, really, if you said if everything was ending up in a row. Yeah, well, I mean, even in school, you know, you'd go out at break and you'd play a game of football. Like, if you didn't come in, haven't got one of them, you were, you know, yeah. you were a lucky, lucky boy. So, like, it, it just shows, like, how they kind of viewed football. They were like, this is a big deal. Whereas, it's not, it's a foul, but it's not a big deal. Like, no one that, like, watched football would think, yeah, that's how I'd react to that. Like, it's not a leg breaker. It's not an ankle breaker. It's nothing. It's literally just, he just kind of clips him as he runs past him it's it just shows how how they viewed football you know that oh if someone did this to you you'd get hot like you'd get hot and you wouldn't like you'd be annoyed but you'd just be like i'll just take me a free kick like well this was this was him sound the seed again of this whole world against him type thing this whole tidal wave you know so you could see it at every point in the movie they emphasize this all the time you know that uh he really was the guy that just didn't fit in yeah, and as I said, he, he he eventually loses the plot with his mother when he gets knocked off the bike and throws it in the bin and stuff. And then obviously Mr. Miyagi um fixes the bike and has it up on the t- up on the, the top of the stairs and then he goes down to to ask him and to say thank you, and that's when we get to see the um the bonsai tree cutting. Yeah. Um the, the one thing I noticed about that is like obviously he does the bonsai tree and then Mr. Miyagi gives his mom one and tells him to continue practicing his own one. But when he walks out out of frame so he goes out the door you can still hear him talking a little bit and he's like this guy's amazing he's so he's incredible and i think that kind of just shows where like daniel russo is at like he's annoyed at everyone around him except this one guy who just treats him well treats him like a human being essentially and it shows what kind of person he is like he is a really appreciative like happy guy when you know when things are kind of going his way it's just that he feels the world is against him it's highlighted that, you know, this is why Miyagi picks him. You know, he's a nice kid that just, he's in a bad spot, which is why he thinks he needs to fight. Well, I think I think the way that the friendship evolves as well is, is LaRusso has found another guy who kind of really doesn't fit in in California either. Yeah. Like, that's that's where that dynamic builds from because they're, you know, they're, they're kind of very similar, just divided by the age. Um, yeah. In terms of like, if if you went back to the beginning and like Miyagi was probably that Larusso guy when he came to California first as well, so he probably sees a lot of himself in Larusso, and that's how the friendship evolves, you know. Yeah, which like without getting too much into um into Cobra Kai, that that's essentially what happens in in both sides of Cobra Kai. Miguel is Johnny Lawrence's student, and that happens the same way. He kind of looks at Miguel as basically what LaRusso was this young kid who's getting punked out by the the more popular kids at school and getting beaten up so he takes him under his wing and then LaRusso does kind of the opposite and takes in another kid who's kind of you know an outcast as well so it's kind of it's kind of the premise for the whole series like all of the anything to do with Karate Kid that seems to kind of be the premise is that there's one guy down on his luck and that a mentor who kind of felt that way at some point yeah. takes him in under his wing. Like, yeah, definitely. I, I also thought the use of the, the, the bonsai tree as a symbol as well, yeah. you know, for sort of growth and death and rebirth and all that type of stuff. I thought was very powerful in the movie. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a great one. And then obviously it's, it's also the, um, it's the symbol he has on the back of the, the gi when he, when he goes to the tournament and it's yeah. something that Miyagi obviously, prides himself on because as we learned that that patch 
is given to him by his um his late wife at some point. So it's obviously something that Miyagi feels like it's probably something when he was younger was like he, he says his father taught him all this stuff. So it's obviously something that was instilled in him that, you know, patience, um, you know, having a, like, as he says, you picture it and you just do it. So a direct focus, a patience, not rushing into everything, just taking your time. And that's, that's something the Russo, Daniel LaRusso needs at this time because everything is just a rush to him as it is to most kids, you know, everything's just getting from one place to the next as a kid. You don't stop to, to think, you don't stop to go, oh, what if, what if I just do this? Will that help? And that's, yeah. that seems to be what Miyagi tries to teach the entire time. Every karate lesson he teaches them seems to have a bit of a life lesson on the back of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Which especially in like kind of in the eighties, that's, that would have been a big thing, you know, all kids films had to have a, a life lesson to, to them. They couldn't just be action yeah. for the sake of action. There had to be a, a story, yeah. which is nice. Like, you know, when you look back, like some people look at that and they say, well, kids film shouldn't have to have that. But I think it's, you know, that's good for a kid to, because the kid gets to sit down and watch it, enjoys the film, but they they do learn something from it a bit. Like they learn compassion. They learn, yeah. you know, that not everything needs to be, mm. you know, a fight. It's especially these days when like, you know kids these days they have so much pressure on them and stuff like that um in terms of society and and their interpretation of what society expects of them and um it's you know back then it was really good because that pressure wasn't there we didn't have the pressure of social media we didn't have the pressure of you know all this you know information being thrown at us netflix facebook instagram twitter all that you know so like that's where you kind of got some of your life lessons you know obviously you got them from your parents as well and your values and stuff like that but in terms of the movies that you looked at they certainly left an impression on you and you certainly like you know especially you know i'm sure we'll get into the star wars ones at a later date and stuff like yeah. that but they certainly developed a lot of life lessons um you know between you oh know, yeah forgiveness and rekindling with your father and all compassion and you know you know being helpful and caring and all that kind of stuff, you know, and it comes through in a lot of these movies, you know what I mean? And especially in this one, you know what I mean? Like, you, you know, on the face of it, if you look at it, why would a, an elderly martial artist, you know, oriental man, you know, want to care about, you know, a kind of a New Jersey kind of upstart who isn't fitting in, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's an unusual dynamic. It is. And I think, th- I think that dynamic lends itself to the film, you know, having two people who, are so very different, but also so very the same. Yeah. In you know they were outcasts when they came here, um, and that they had to you know find something that helped helped them fit in, um, and I think that is a dynamic that they you know was tried to be reached in the entire film, and it was something that they tried to teach everyone that you know just because you don't think you fit in, you'll find you know there'll be somebody there for you. But when you talk about um like back then that, that that was okay imagine a film now being released where you have an elderly gentleman who is constantly paying all his attention to one young boy and is bringing him to his kind of secluded house and has him there from six in the morning until you know until it's dark at night doing chores and yeah. has him out there for his birthday and is gives him a car for his birthday present on his 16th birthday and stuff like that like you couldn't do that in a film now yeah, but, current current society would have a very different yeah, view. Yeah, they'd have a very different view. But back then, that was just seen as you know, this is a kind old man. Yeah, and I think I think that's something that we do need to like. I hate saying you know, 
people shouldn't be so weary of everyone because you do need to be weary. Some people are out there. Some people are prejudiced, but not everyone is. Sometimes people are just trying to be nice. And I think that's something that's kind of a fear that's now being put into people because you hear so many stories of, you know, kids being kidnapped and, you know, all this other horrible stuff happening to kids and things. And I think that's put a lot of fear into people. Whereas sometimes maybe that fear isn't necessary. Sometimes someone is just trying to help. They are just trying to be nice. Yeah, and this film just kind of highlights that, that, you know, there was never anything strange in this relationship. Like he even, when he has, um, when Daniel flies out to him on the bike after, um, after he's meant to pick up uh, Ali at the, the country club or whatever it is, not something that is really over here, but obviously a big thing in the States that rich people have these country clubs, yeah. but he goes out to pick her up here and, obviously Johnny Lawrence gobsmacks her and he sees it and just kind of runs off, but he goes out and he's at Mr. Miyagi's house. Mr. Miyagi's given him, they don't really tell you what drink it is, but it's obviously an alcoholic drink because Mr. Miyagi's off his tits. Like, but you know, this kid is 40, 15 at the time and he's given him alcohol. Like that's not something that they, you know, would even be shown in a kid's film now. Uh, like, an old man giving a kid alcohol. But back then they were just kind of like, it's just something that, you know, this could happen in real life. Like if someone's hammered and they've kind of built this bond, this relationship with someone who's, you know, sort of at the age where they're coming to an age, like people that might not want to admit it, but like most people have had their first drink by the kind, by the time they're 15 or 16 now at this point. Like I, I would say there's very few out there who don't drink before that. Um, but you, you get to learn a lot about Mr. Miyagi in that little segment as well and like how much he lost, like his wife and his um his yeah. well not unborn, like the child dies due to uh complications at birth, but you learn why he's been alone this whole time, why he doesn't seem to have a family or anything. And that it's he's a he's a war hero. He has this medal of valor in his in his chest and I think he refers to himself as a sergeant as well. So he's obviously quite high up in the military. Like he's not just, you know, just some grunt worker. Um, he's done a lot for both the country and you can kind of see a bit of the, the racism in this as well, because even though he's fought for the Americans and he's done all this and he's fighting in, um, in the forties, I think it says 1944 is the time that he gets this letter, which is, you know, you're looking at world war two. Yeah. The Japanese aren't on the American side during this war, you know, um, so it just shows that like where his loyalties were was with who he felt was right in and I mean there's no right and wrong in a war but you know the Japanese were on the side of the Nazis during that war so they were on the wrong side of it um, but it shows where his his loyalties kind of were and that it was kind of for the people that needed the help and not not just he doesn't just have blind loyalty to um, to his nation. But then when they're down at the beach, the two drunk guys that have their beer can, beer bottles on the car, they um they refer to him in a very racist manner as if Larusso owns him, like this young child owns this old man because because of his his race, and that is something that's still prevalent today. Not not so much against Japanese people, but there is still a, a massive issue of racism today, and it's it's strange to see that even in 1984 that they referred to it in such a, a casual way because that's what it is your man doesn't think like this drunk guy doesn't think anything of it it's just you know there's nothing wrong with what he said as far as he's concerned yeah which probably which probably wouldn't be you know 
strange in 1984. Exactly, anyway. yeah. But I think it was really powerful in the movie when they when they did like unfold all this stuff about the medals and his background in the army and and also the compassion of like you know his wife and the kid and all that kind of stuff. But I think what it did was it, it raised the profile of Miyagi in the movie. Yeah. In terms of the level of respect and certainly from LaRusso's point of view, he's seen Miyagi in a very different way. He wasn't this kind of like you know, doddery old man teaching martial arts, you know what I mean? This guy was a legit guy. He was, he, you know, he was kind of like, you know, nearly made him out to be kind of like a badass, you know what I mean? Like this guy could take care of himself, you know what I mean? No doubt about it, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it's not really referred to much in the film, but like obviously he's in, he's been in the army, but then the the protagonist in this film is obviously, the main one is Johnny Lawrence. And before we came on air, we were just talking about who do you like we were talking about you you said you rewatched two and three i haven't done that i'll probably do them at a later stage but that you were saying that two you didn't feel two was as good as three and obviously one is at the top of the list but you think one and three are the two kind of better ones and i was saying to you that they're both the ones with um with the main bad guy uh john crease in it yeah. and that's who i think is really the bad guy as little as he's in this first film, he's only there as the teacher, but you see that he's in the he was in the army as well. But you see that his version of being in the army was holding the gun. Like that's what he took away from the army was that he was in the army and that he held a gun and things. Whereas Miyagi's takeaway from the army was this medal of valor and the pain of what that war caused them, because not just casualties, like this was a casualty that wasn't anything to do with the war. This was just his wife. Um passing away and he, it's not in the note but when he's talking about it before he kind of passes out drunk he says your wife has passed away no doctor came and that just kind of shows how things were viewed because because they were Japanese um, that doctors kind of didn't really focus on her because you know Japanese were seen as the bad guys and that this man lost his his wife and his his newly born child because of his race because of where he was from, even though he's out. And a Medal of Valor, I, I had to look this up because I wasn't really sure what it was for, but it's for outstanding bravery. So it's not just like a generic medal of, uh, thanks for fighting in the war. Like this is, he did something above and beyond and it goes to a committee. So the committee has to dis- determine the level of um, danger that you put yourself in, um, how many lives were saved because of what you did. So, so this isn't just some, you know, thank you gift to him like this is something he obviously earned i i we don't learn what he's got it for but what he takes away from his time in the army is that he was a war hero but that it cost him you know his wife and his child whereas john crease takes away from the army is i was in the army and i got to have a gun because that's the only thing you see about him being in the army is the picture of him with the gun and that seems and he seems happy about it so like this this brutality and it's it's what he teaches his his students as well you know strike first strike hard no mercy it's just a it's brutal there's no compassion in what he does he's just a brutal brutal man and he's the he's the teacher the sensei to these kids and this is what he passes down which is why we see the likes of um johnny lawrence and uh Bobby and Tommy and all like the other guys, that's what they've learned. That's what they've been taught. So they think this is what, like this is the influence that an adult has had on them, someone that they trust. And so this is how they've grown up. This is what they think they need to be, to be champions because they obviously, as much as like we can see that, 
he's the bad guy that John Kreese is this horrible human being. That's not how they viewed him. They viewed him as, you know, as, you know, someone to be looked up to and that they strived to be him. So that's why I think that's where the second film kind of falls down is you don't have John Kreese, who is this ultimate bad guy, um, like poisoning children's minds and stuff. Yeah, I think I, I think it was perfect casting as well, John Kreese as well, because obviously when we look at this movie, but obviously he was in other movies where he was a proper turncoat and stuff like that. Yeah, right? he, is, I mean, he is. He's just an ultimate bad guy, isn't he? I mean, he's just gotta, that kind of guy. You got to remember as well, isn't he the guy that left Rambo on top of the hill as well? <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he and I, I think some people are just cut out to be that, you know, the yeah, dick. Yeah, just has that look. But I, I also find as well as um, you, you can see throughout the movie as well in, in the way like he, he struggles with the, the level of the badness as well. And he needs the students to sort of carry out his 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 bidding, if you like. Yeah. Um, and then even after a while, then you get the students even looking at him going, this is it's way beyond much, yeah. us as well, you know what I mean? Because he's kind of he he's riddled with contempt, um, and and it really comes true in him, you know. Um, so those those other guys, they're they're trying to, he he's trying to turn it up a notch all the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's you know it's he keeps on playing that us against them card all the time, and yeah, know, and I think I think that's a good like kind of juxtaposition to um to LaRusso because if LaRusso doesn't meet Mr. Miyagi you you can imagine him becoming a guy like John Kreese where you know it's us against the like me against the world mentality because that like they never refer to it but you can kind of tell that that's what John Kreese's childhood was like was that he wasn't a very popular guy he didn't get on with people and that therefore he's built up this contempt for everyone around him and that's why he's so you know mean and nasty to everyone around him and that then he's you know, he's teaching people that this is how you have to be. So you can kind of see that Miyagi's had troubles in his life. Kreese has had troubles in his life, but that they both went down this different path and that both Lawrence and uh, LaRusso are on this path and they've each kind of picked which path like to stray off down. One goes with Miyagi, one goes with John Kreese. And it just shows that like, this is, you know, it kind of shows that, the choices you make in your life do matter you know sometimes if you if you choose to act and be violent you'll end up down a bad path and if you choose to you know just defend yourself and just kind of keep your nose a little bit clean you can end up down the Miyagi Mr. Miyagi path sort of thing yeah and also I mean you've kind of nearly given away the plot for number three really <laughs> yeah pretty because like, that's basically what happens in three a three questions his friendship with Miyagi falls out with him and gets led by the nose by Terry Silver yeah it's basically <laughs> to me is the ultimate heel in the trilogy really you know what I mean like because he's such a snake he's that kind of like he reminds me of Jericho in the wrestling really you know what yeah. I mean like it just turns on you in a second so yeah that's and, and then we could see that that affirms your point really that like um LaRusso was so impressionable, really. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you say the right thing to him, you could practically get him to do anything, you know? And I mean? think, like, that that's kind of what, you know, 14, 15-year-old kids are kind of like, you know? They yeah. are very impressionable. Like, and that's, that's unfortunately where a lot of people make their life choices, and that's what they become as, as an adult. If they get brought down a very bad path at that age, it can kind of, it does. Like, that, that, that determ- can determine your life in a way. Now, obviously, you can turn that around, you know, as you get older, you realise the things you've done wrong and turn your life around completely. But at that age, you are so impressionable. Yeah. 
And then, I mean, even, I suppose when we move on in it then, then we talk about, like, you know, we get into the training and the, the paint, the fence, and the wax on, wax off. Yeah, and, and that's we, one of the big things, wax on, wax off. Wax like, off. as you said, like, that's a yeah. big pop culture reference. Like, nearly everyone gets that. Even people who, hadn't see, who yeah. haven't seen yeah. Karate Kid, which there probably yeah. isn't many now, but, like, they would have got that reference. You know, they knew it was something. Yeah, and, and it still stands up to this day. You still see the T-shirts with the slogans on yeah. it, you know what I mean? I think the underlying thing in it was, like, it, like it was presented as a trade-off for, for teaching them karate and stuff like that. But it was really, again, Miyagi giving these life lesson goals that, like, you know, nothing's ever easy. Everything has to be earned. Um, and, and, and in fairness to LaRusso, he embraced it, you know what I mean? Even though he questioned it at times, he goes, you know, you have me, you know, cleaning the floor. You have me waxing these cars. You know, you have me painting this fence. And it was like Miyagi was just coming up with thing after thing after thing. And LaRusso was starting to feel like it was a punishment to him. Like Yeah, well, that you see, and you see his anger burst out of him yeah. again there, where he gets angry at the only person he's friends with. He's like, you're just taking advantage of me. Like, this is just, and it is, it is child labor. I mean, he's getting yeah. him to paint his house and clean his cars. Like, it is child labor. But as you say, there's there's a point to it. He's teaching them, you know, patience, resilience, you know, building a muscle memory as well, which is basically what he says karate is about. It's just muscle memory. Just remember what to do, what to block, how to block. Like he won't teach him to strike, which LaRusso thinks is all karate is about. He's like, it's it's about striking first. Mm. Um, which is something that he he only goes to, he just sees John Kreese teaching the class kind of once or twice. And you can see even he's thinking that that's what karate is about. It's about striking first. Um, and Miyagi has to kind of like beat that out of him with these like mundane, menial tasks where he's like, no, it's not about stri-. like striking is part of it. But defense is the best form of offense in this in this scenario. Yeah, absolutely. And then you kind of get onto this real powerful moment in the movie. It's like, you know where they're sort of tiff or tat with each other and stuff like that. And then Miyagi goes over to Kreese's dojo to confront him. Yeah. Um, and that's a real powerful moment because you have Kreese here, who was this kind of commando, buff, hardened soldier. And then you have Miyagi, who looks like this little frail man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 the stare down of Miyagi and the eyes when he looks at Kreese, you can see kind of Kreese is going this guy might be legit. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's a... But it, it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, on The Simpsons when um, the mafia send all these guys to, over to the Simpsons house and then the Japanese mafia is out there and there's a big fight and there's the one guy in his white suit, which, you know, they don't refer to it being Miyagi, but like it kind of is and he's just standing there and Homer's like, no, no, I want to see what the, he hasn't done anything. I want to see what he does. Yeah. And that kind of refers to Miyagi because even when Miyagi saves um LaRusso the first time when he's getting yeah. beaten down uh, having uh, that's at the school dance when he rinses uh, yeah. when he rinses Lawrence who's clearly rolling a spliff in the toilet yeah. uh, even though it's never referenced that that's what it is it's not just yeah. a it's not a normal cigarette like it's a oh. you know uh, but he he saves him and even Daniel doesn't believe him he's like nah it wasn't you it wasn't you you're too old it couldn't have been you but it just shows that like that age was was nothing like it was experience he knew how to strike and he knew how to and there's a little bit in that when they're beating uh daniel down that i noticed is that um one kid kind of says to johnny johnny lawrence he's like he's had enough leave it leave it he's had enough and that's um this is just jumping forward a little bit but that's a kid named uh bobby and you know in the semi-finals you were saying crease kind of gets the kids to do his bidding and that they're even questioning him 
he sends out the kid who's in the semi-finals to uh to take the leg and to in to put Daniel out of commission. And that, that kid is actually um the same kid that tells Johnny Lawrence to stop earlier. It's the it's the kid Bobby. He's like, eh, stop, like he's had enough. You can clearly see that yes, this guy is his sensei, but even he questions some of these methods where he's like, I mean, yeah, there's five of us beating on one kid, like he's probably had enough, like he yeah. can't even stand. And then it's like take him out of the tournament. He's like, but I could like I can I can beat him fair. And the sensei's like doesn't matter you're gonna do this and he does it but you can see like he didn't want to do it and even when he does it he goes straight over to LaRusso when he's on the mat and he's like I'm sorry I'm sorry and he has to be dragged away but you, like you can kind of see that they do question Crease a bit but there's kind of a fear of Crease as well like they're afraid to not do what he says yeah absolutely because he he's kind of rules with an iron fist but I think their questioning of it as well is because karate is the background to it they think of karate as kind of honor and respect yeah and none, none of this is coming true and I think that's where the questioning comes but I just I, I love that uh, powerful moment in the movie when you see Miyagi and the stare yeah and like you know the way those old war no fear have, they have that stare that could nearly knock you out you know what I mean without any physical violence you know you yeah know no he, fear even as calm as he is there's no fear there's no like yeah. there's no aggression in his eyes either yeah. it's not aggression that you see but it's you know it's a confidence yeah and you can like, tell I'm not he, worried yeah, but you could tell by his eyes as well that like he's been through a hell of a lot worse than this and come out the other side smelling of roses, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's no fear in relation to some, you know, some guy being a bully in a dojo, basically, you know? Yeah, I mean? and you can kind of see the contempt he has for Crease as well. Like even when they first walk in, you can see the contempt he has for the way Crease trains. Like you can see the kind of, it's not on his face, but you can kind of see it in the eyes again this kind of anger bubbling behind him like that. He's just like, this guy is just the worst. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, it's like, um, it's like when you see people running gyms for money as opposed to running gyms because they, they love gyms and they want to give something back that type of thing. But you could see with Miyagi, like he always questions Kreese's honor, you know, yeah. I mean? constantly through the movie, which I think, I think it's fair because Kreese clearly has no honor. Like nothing. The only thing that mattered yeah. to Kreese was yeah. winning. Yeah. If you win, then you know that's honorable it doesn't matter how it's how it's achieved like if you cheat you win it doesn't matter you win yeah. um whereas miyagi constantly says it doesn't matter if you win you'll yeah. earn respect yeah. where it just shows the two sides of the coin like one is saying it's all about respect winning doesn't matter the other is saying respect doesn't matter winning matters and it's yeah. just obviously people aren't that black and white which is probably the only real fault in this film for Crease and uh, Miyagi, they're both, you know, one's so good and the other's so bad. Yeah. But I think that's done well because both, all the kids are both, are both like there's a hot-headedness and an anger in LaRusso, but there's a calmness and a like a nice, nice kid there as well. But you can see the same in some of the kids that are training under Crease as well. Like the, the kid Bobby, who's just like, Ah, oh, this is too much. Like we shouldn't be beating up on this one kid when there's five of us. Um, doesn't want to take him out. Um, so you can kind of see like the kids still have this. You know, they're not good or bad yet. And obviously, no one in the world is truly good or truly bad. Like there's, yeah. you know, everyone has good days and bad days. But in films, you know, you're portrayed as one or the other. Yeah. Uh, but the kids, it's they do a very good job with the the kids in this film to never portray any of them as as wholly good or wholly bad on either side of it. So then, then the gauntlet is laid down. 
Yeah. And we, we'll see you at the tournament. Two months. <laughs> yeah. And this is, LaRusso's going over because he's getting picked on and getting bullied and getting beat up. Yeah, he didn't want to fight. Out, and the next minute, he, he flips out on the way out going, you were supposed to be sorting all this out and now you put me in a tournament where yeah. I need to fight. <laughs> and it's just... The dynamic is just crazy. Miyagi, Miyagi's just sort of sitting back laughing. like. Yeah, know. he's just like, I saved you for two months now. It's like, yeah, you know, that doesn't, what happens after two months? I'm getting my ass kicked. Yeah, so, the, so then they, they go through all the... The train, the wax on, the, wax the, off, paint the, up, paint down. The, the Rocky Balboa training montage, if you like, you know what I mean? And we arrive we arrive at the, the tournament. What I loved about this tournament is when, uh, when they first arrive, so they got to start... Um, Miyagi tells him that belts don't matter, that belts are just for something to hold your pants up. Yeah. But when they get there, your man's like, "What? What belt is this kid?" Yeah. And Miyagi's just like, "Oh, I have to give. Him, why does it matter?" He's like, "I need to put him into a, a certain division." Yeah. And Miyagi, Miyagi just goes, "I oh, black belt." Like, I mean, people yeah. str- like I'd say people who actually do karate are fuming at this because they're like, "I strived for so long to get to that yeah. black belt," yeah. and this kid just does a few lessons of cleaning cars and painting fences yeah. and he's a black belt is he yeah. but he, uh, he then he pinches the, the thing the yeah <laughs> brilliant table, isn't yeah. it and it just I, shows what Miyagi's uh, and there's a few instances of this with Mr. Miyagi when uh, they won't uh, they come over and they're like hey you can only have one guy on the mat like the one trainer and they're like oh she's his translator and he says something in Japanese and she just makes up whatever he says yeah. and then your man goes oh he says oh, thank you very much and like you look like his uncle and all this yeah. But first of all, you look like his uncle in in Japan. Like this this guy is like in his seventies or something, and he's talking to some guy who's thirty, and you look like his uncle. Like what? Yeah, like yeah. first of all, that shouldn't be like what the hell's going on there? Yeah. And your man just kind of accepts it, but yeah. it goes on, and then they, as they're walking away, your man goes, "Oh, thank you very much, and good luck." And Miyagi yeah. just turns around, yeah. "Thanks." Yeah, but <laughs> just even, up. Yeah, but even 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 when he said, uh, "You know, you know what, Jim, or who you're representing," he goes, "He goes Miyagi, though," <laughs> and it's yeah. like. It's so funny. The but it, it's, just, it, it's, the, it's the little jokes he has, those little quips and one-liners where, you know, this guy's just been told he speaks no English. And the second that they've convinced them that he doesn't speak yeah. English, he speaks English and just walks off. Yeah, yeah. that's grand. Yeah. Yeah. Off I go. And but, that, uh, that's a small thing that you could miss out if you, if you, didn't, yeah. if you didn't pick up on it. That, that's, that's certain, like, in a lot of films, people miss out on stuff like that. That's some stuff yeah. that, and I don't know what it is. It's just the way I, like, maybe it's just my sense of humor, but I always yeah. pick up on stuff like that where there's yeah. just something small like that where yeah. it's just a real throwaway comment. Yeah. Like, even that comment about, oh, what belt are you when he asks him? And Miyagi knows, you know, or what kind of, like, what belt do you have? And, like, he clearly knows he's asking about karate. And Miyagi yeah. goes, oh, it's from JC Penney's. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, that is clearly not what I asked. But it's just, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a real old yeah. man joke as well. Yeah. Like, ha ha. It was the kind of deflection to get him in the door type of thing. You know? Yeah. But yeah. yeah, we get into the tournament. Um, the one thing that always struck me as kind of strange is that they're like, we'll settle this at the tournament. There was no guarantee that, you know, like if LaRusso gets knocked out in the first round, he doesn't fight anyone from Cobra Kai. So nothing gets settled. Like yeah. that's the one thing about this. We'll settle it at a tournament where, you know, there's no guarantee that we'll even face each other. But um yeah, they this, go was in. Like, this was like looking at an old Pride FC heavyweight tournament and hoping that Chuck Liddell and Dan Henderson got to the final. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like it was preconceived. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's all been written out. But um, they go in and obviously Larusso gets onto the mat and at first he's like, it, it, before he even gets on the mat, he's asking about you know how does this work 
I mean, I said, I don't know. I've never been at a tournament, you know. I've never done any of this. Like, I just trained. Like, I've never, I've never actually used this stuff in a yeah. in a tournament setting. Yeah. So, they're they're going in and they've no. I, two two of them are like, how the hell does this even work? Like, nothing. Nobody knows anything. Yeah. And then Ali explains, you know, you you hit someone in the chest or the head, and that's a point. <laughs> yeah. That that's the, and I'm sure there's probably more rules to karate because we see sometimes some like. You see people get hit in the head and it's it's considered a foul, but they never explain what makes it a foul and what doesn't. But yeah. you know, whatever it's you know, you can get past that. But they get into the first fight and Larusso's obviously you know he's timid about this, so he keeps running off the mats yeah. until Miyagi tells him just concentrate on your defense and then strike when you get the chance. Yeah, and that 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 settles him down. Like, um, you kind of see what Miyagi is to him. He's not just the teacher he's you know he's yeah. an internal kind of monologue where he's like you yeah. know yes you're scared but that like just yeah. relax take it easy like yeah the work the work is done he's now the psychological coach like it's, it's yeah like, like you can do this you can get over it you know he hasn't even done it himself yeah <laughs> but uh one thing i noticed in this is that like obviously like cobra kai is meant to be you know all these are meant to be like the best fighters because you know yeah most of these lads get knocked out in like round one. They're all seem to get battered. Like I think yeah. about four of them make it to even the quarterfinals. Yeah. Like before that, they're all getting knocked around by these other lads. Yeah. And you're kind of like, I thought these were meant to be, you know, the best. But obviously only two or three of them are actually any good. Yeah. And the rest are just, you know, they're good because they're in a group. Yeah. But um, we see, we see like obviously Daniel wins his fights. We see Johnny Lawrence dominating in his fights and things like that. And then we see some of the Cobra Kai members get knocked out by like one-off appearances from some random kid. And then he, yeah. he obviously gets knocked out somewhere else, but you don't see him get knocked yeah, out. you don't see any of those fights, yeah. But um, we see... Now, I didn't really know the names of the, the other kid, like the other kids in the Cobra Kai. There's, you know, there's kind of the, the two main... Two or three main characters. So obviously, Johnny Lawrence is the main one. And then there's kind of the two or three friends. Um, Tommy and Bobby are kind of the two other ones. Bobby is the one... That uh, he that Daniel fights in the semi final that you know presumably breaks his leg. I think that like that's obviously the implication here that the leg is broken. But um, Tommy is the kid that you constantly see beside uh, beside John Kreese cheering cheering yeah. him on and being like, "Yeah, get him!" And I think he's like I think he's great because yeah. he's the epitome of what John Kreese teaches, like just like yeah. brutality because you can yeah. see him just cheering. Like he has no, like there's no question from him about whether what they're doing is right or wrong. He is just like, no, yeah, like we're right. Like yeah. don't worry about the fact that we've cheated to get here or anything. He's just like, yeah, yeah get him. Yeah. And like you can see that John Kreese has had the biggest influence on him over everyone because yeah. he hasn't, he has no conscience about whether he should, you know, go for this weak spot or cheat or anything like that. Yeah. But he gets knocked out quite early in the tournament as well. Like he gets knocked out, I think presumably in and around a quarterfinal. So he's not even in the final four. Like, yeah. yeah so it just the, shows that that, he, that mentality he, doesn't work. Yeah. He's the ultimate fanboy, really, isn't he? Like, he's, yeah, he's the guy carrying the book and on the tails, really. You know what I mean? Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, obviously uh, the kind of the other fights in this kind of don't really matter all that much. We kind of see LaRusso yeah. just kind of, he runs through them, picks up a, a knock on the ribs at one point and you see him getting bandaged up. But like, then that's not really referenced again after that. So it's not really important. Mm. So like the rest of these fights are kind of just, you know, to let you know that 
yeah, like they they did fight their way to the the finals. Like the rest of this yeah. wasn't real. But the semi-finals, we see Johnny Lawrence go into his one and just utterly dominate the guy that he's against, like three points to nothing, easy. And he's the previous uh, state champion and things. So you know he, he's obviously good. Like he's not some nobody. He's been champion previously. Yeah. And then we see the semi-final where um your man Bobby gets himself disqualified on Crease's orders and apologizes for it straight away. But LaRusso is now, we think, out of the finals and we see him backstage and the doctor says no. And Miyagi says to him, you know, it doesn't matter. You've gained their respect and stuff. And the whole film, Mr. Miyagi is trying to teach him that life is about balance within yourself. And that's why, so Mr. Miyagi only helps him and heals him because of what Daniel LaRusso says. He says, I'll never have balance. I'll never have balance with Ali. I'll never have balance with Johnny Lawrence. I'll never have balance in myself. And you can see that he's learned something. He's learned from Mr. Miyagi that yeah. the fight, like get, getting to the finals isn't about winning to him. Mm. It's it's now about just, I need to do this just, you know, just to prove like either this guy's better than me or this guy's not. Yeah. But I need to, I need to know, like it's not, it's not about winning to him anymore. And I think that just shows kind of the culmination of the film because at the start he's learning karate because he uses it as an aggressive art form to you know to fight and to you know just make sure that nobody can do anything to him and now he's not as concerned about whether he loses or wins anymore it's nothing to do with that to him now yeah it's like it's like him and Miyagi uh they switch it's like a little switcheroo really you know yeah nearly he's he's the boy who has suddenly become a man and uh you know, with the maturity comes through and stuff like that, and and you can see the satisfaction in Miyagi when he hears it and stuff like that. You know? Yeah, so he heals him up, brings him out, and they yeah. they go into the yeah. final, which is um, best of five essentially. So first three points, yeah. um, and they get out there just in time because they're just about to hand the trophy to to Johnny Lawrence, and then it's like, Larusso's going to fight, and that that even that's iconic because you you hear that in loads of things now, you know, yeah. he's yeah. going to fight. Um, so he comes out, you know, still kind of hobbling away, se- selling that injury. Yeah. Um, and he goes out and, you know, he takes the first few points using his defensive, defensive yeah. procedures, like just defend until the opportunity opens up and strike. And you can see like, he's one of the first two and you're like, okay, this is it. He's going to win. But it, uh, obviously he uh, bloodies up. Um, Johnny Lawrence, which they make him go get cleaned up. You know, you can't fight with blood all over the mat. So go to your sensei, get cleaned up. So he goes over and Chris says, sweep the leg. And you can kind of see it in Johnny's face. He's like, oh, like that's an injury. I know it's an injury. So I, and I shouldn't do it. But even, like sweeping the leg is fine because you see them do it in previous fights. They have no issue with it. But yeah. he now has an issue with it, not because he's been told to sweep the leg, which if he'd been told from the start when there was no injury, you can tell he'd have not, had no issue with, he'd have done it. But you can see that conflict in him that he's now like, we've targeted this leg. Mm. This isn't right. Yeah. But he's he's asked, do you have a problem with that? Yeah. And he doesn't want to let down his sense. Of, and he obviously doesn't want to lose because, you know, this is, this is a big deal to him, you know, like the, he prides himself on being that champion. So he, yeah. he, he kind of sells out in a way like he knows it's wrong but he sells out to it anyway he says yeah I'll do it so he goes out and he sweeps the leg 
and that's how he wins his next two points by um by it's not cheating i suppose but it's underhanded it's it's you know some people will say if you know there's an injury why wouldn't you gun for it you know it's it's smart play but it's the kind of lack of honor coming through again. Yeah, I I really liked at this point in the movie where you get that tension and music coming through and yeah, and like and like the background because it's in a kind of like a, a college gymnasium or something like that. Or yeah, you get that background. It looks like like a Nirvana video nearly. You know that kind of way. People are just going crazy. Yeah, um, that's one of the funny things as well. Like this is obviously like it's as you said, karate at that time isn't yeah. you know huge. Like obviously we're not in yeah. the states, so maybe it was huge in the states, but I don't yeah. think it was. But like this small karate tournament sells out to like this yeah. huge crowd, and this is something that you always see, like because even in like the Mighty Ducks and stuff, you see like this Pee Wee hockey like finals is selling out to like this big two like two or three thousand yeah. people coming to see it, and you're like, yeah. that's not real, like you know. But it's we've there. all we've all been in stuff like yeah. that when we're kids, and you know, it's whoever's parents are there, and maybe like an aunt or an uncle or something coming. It's yeah. not it's not like all these random people coming to cheer you on or anything. But the but the way they shot it as well, obviously, like the stage was quite lit, but it yeah. was still it was still kind of very smoky and very dusty. So it gave you that feeling of like an old sort of martial arts tournament type thing. Yeah. But you could still see people in the background. You could still see the chaos of what was going on and what was unfolding. Um. So yeah, go ahead there. Yeah. So you get you get into this final round. It's two two. We get to the final, get to the final round. Um. And this is where I'm saying like. Lawrence does um Lawrence does strike him at one point in the face. But this is this isn't deemed a, a victory. He doesn't get a point for that. Yeah. Uh, there, there's no real explanation as to why this one. This one's considered an illegal move. Um I'm not entirely sure why. Um they never explain it as far as I can tell. So maybe somebody who watches karate can, you know, te- like who follows karate or something might notice can well, inform strikes, me. Strikes, but... strikes strikes to the face were illegal. But you see them strike other people in the face, like with kicks, and they're counted. That's why I'm never really sure. Yeah, but I think I think in karate because it's a points thing. It's it's the level of it's the level of aggression or the level of violence. You won points basically for the move as opposed to the result. If you okay, know. so yeah, all right. So that's maybe that point. maybe that's all it is. It's just yeah. if if there's an intent to injure, yeah. it's a. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we see that, and then we get to the the final, the crane kick, that iconic scene of him. Yeah. standing on his uh, his right leg with the left leg raised crane pose and uh, Johnny I loved, I loved the way it kept on going back to Miyagi and you see him standing there and yeah the, nodding his head like yeah this is the feel, right move you yeah. could feel the tension of the whole thing it, this this the whole movie had crescendo to this point yeah. and it's funny because the whole film kind of is based on Miyagi not caring about winning or losing yeah but now that he's there he's kind of like yeah I want this yeah. kid to win. Like I want this yeah. for him. Yeah. He's in his crane position, which is obviously the ultimate move we've learned earlier that if done correctly, there's no defense from it. That's yeah. what Miyagi yeah. tells us. Even yeah. though, I mean, surely if you just, you know, don't walk into range and just kind of go around him on the side where the, the one leg is raised, you know, yeah. he has to like hop around. So, yeah. you know, it, pretty pretty bad move in general unless you're going to rush at this guy yeah clearly which, clearly they were anticipating that johnny lawrence was going to bum rush him you know yeah I mean? which is exactly what happens he just yeah. rushes in yeah and then basically a big scissors kick bam hits him in the face yeah you land there's no way to get around this like you're you're going to have to land on the the bad leg 
because of, you know, you've kicked with the good leg. Um, so he lands on the bad leg and then switches directly back to the good leg. Um, the only issue I would have with that is if the leg is as sore as it's been, you know, made out to be coming down on it. I, I feel that maybe LaRusso should have taken a fall there. Yeah. But obviously that doesn't I, it, I, it doesn't lend itself to the iconic pose of landing back and still being yeah. in the crane after doing the crane. I, I, I can put, see why they did it, but like I, I'm putting that down to adrenaline. Yeah, like that's the only thing I can think. Like you go yeah, back I'm to, putting that down to adrenaline, yeah. But um yeah, yeah. He, he he bum rushes in, catches him with the crane kick. Yeah. He's the the world champ well, I, I don't know if it's a world champion, I keep referring to yeah. it, but he's this he's the champion anyway. Yeah. Um, and the one thing I noticed out of this, and I think it's something that people kind of forget a lot, is that when they go to hand him the the trophy, Johnny Lawrence takes the trophy off him and he hands it to LaRusso. And he tells him, he's like, you're all right, LaRusso, you're all right. And I think that's something that kind of gets forgotten about is that yeah. you do see this from Johnny Lawrence, that he he realizes that he's been beaten by the better man and the respect is now there. Yeah. Um, it, was that, um, it was that Hogan Warrior moment at six when he hands Warrior the belt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of mark of respect that, yeah, I got beaten and I understand I got beaten. And, and I want to be the one to hand it to you rather yeah. than just have it taken from me. Yeah. 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 Only me and you should be on this platform. We, we're the guys who weren't this moment and you yeah. were the better man. So, yeah. But I do, I do think it's very strange. Like, they, um, like obviously, Cobra Kai has come out now. They kind of, they don't really reference that. That's kind of like, it's kind of like they look back at that bit and they're like, oh, why did we put that in the film? Because we we should have kept Johnny as still, you know, bitter. Because Cobra Kai basically builds, without giving too much away on, the fact that Johnny Lawrence is still bitter about losing this tournament. Um, but at the time, like, that's the time he'd be most annoyed, most bitter. But he's not. He's just, he's respectful and he's, you know, congratulations well i think um, i think as well they use it as a poignant moment to sort of like a kickback to crease that yeah. like even even his main number one bad guy has moments where he can accept he's a good guy yeah you know he can accept there's still honor in there and somewhere um and you know that was that was like johnny lawrence's way of, of going back to crease going you know what we did was wrong and we shouldn't have done this type of thing you know what i mean so yeah it is and i think i it's a good moment in the film itself the only reason i look back at that and say i wonder do they now look back and go i wish we hadn't put that in is because they now have cobra kai which builds on the tension between johnny lawrence and daniel larusso like that's it's using different characters but the same way as this original film is crease and miyagi it's it's still the the, the senseis like the teachers are still the ones that they're really yeah where the battle's being fought and there's pawns being used. They're kind of, they're the two generals in the army and they're using these pawns to navigate them. But obviously the pawns are still young teenagers. So they have their own emotions, their own, their own problems and they'll have their own fights that have nothing to do with these yeah. teachers. Yeah. But uh, I, I like, I think it, I it is a very good way to end the film yeah. in its own right though. I suppose when they shot it, they didn't realize they were going to do yeah. a two or a three, or there was going to be a cobra call. Yeah, exactly. So they, they just kind of they use this as the yeah. you know this is a nice little send off, and it it as we say like it's a PG film. It's it was created for kids, and as most kids films are, you know, it's a happy ending. It's always you know you're given that happy ending where the good yeah. guy wins, uh, yeah. and the bad guy realizes he either realizes his mistake or he gets vanquished completely. Yeah. Um. 
and that Johnny Lawrence realizes his mistake. Yeah, I think the over I think the overlying message in it is that you know you can be different and still do okay and yeah. still find kind of fit in. And you can also be a bad guy, but you can also fix that or somewhere along the way when you yeah, recognize, you can change you can change you can that, change. you can change who you are, become yeah. the good guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's and they're two very powerful messages, especially for youth. Yeah, and I think I think that's and a lot of people like as I said, I look at that and I'm looking at it with kind of an adult's perspective where you know I'm kind of critiquing it. So like, I'm like, oh, he shouldn't have landed on that foot and maybe that bit shouldn't have been there. But that's not how this, like, that's not how films should be viewed. And I think this kind of, without getting too much into it, this is kind of how wrestling is as well. well. I think a lot of us that do watch wrestling kind of view it that way, where we critique it and we don't just accept the story for what it is. And I think that's kind of the problem is that we don't do that. And that's, that's kind of what I've done there is I've kind of critiqued that. And I knew I was critiquing it. I knew that that's what I was doing. So I was very aware of the fact that I was doing that. And I still really enjoy the film and I can see why it was done because that's what it's for. It's for kids. It's to deliver this message, to let them know, you know, yes, you might've done things wrong in your life, but you can change that. If you've been essentially a bully, because that, that's, that's what Johnny Lawrence is in this film. He bullies Daniel LaRusso. He's been a bully. And here's you essentially apologizing, saying, you know, you're all right. You're, it's not great. Like, he's not going, I'm sorry for all the things I did. But I think that would have been a, that would have been overkill. It would have been too much. Mm-hmm. So this idea of, I've now, I've now got respect for you. I've now, you know, I see you as a peer, not as, as an adversary. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's what you want to, te- you want to teach kids, you know, like, yes, okay. You might have had a problem with this person in the past, but you can, you can move past it. You know, you can find something you're both interested in and move past that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Certainly a very powerful message. Yeah. Overall, like I want, like I just went back and watched this last night and obviously I wouldn't have watched it as a, as it came out, but like as a kid, you would like, I would have seen it, you know, it would have been shown to me. And I, I remember that feeling, you know, like, Oh, this is a great film when I was a kid. And sometimes you go back and watch something and you're like, how did I, how did I sit down and think this was great as a kid? Like really like what? What sort of idiot? Uh, like, and it's like you know, if you sit down with like nieces or nephews or kids or something, you know, they're watching something. You're like, how the yeah. hell did they find this entertaining? Like, this is terrible. Like, yeah. some of the cartoons or whatever film, you like, you sit down, you're like, Jesus Christ, how is this holding their attention? Yeah. So, like, sometimes I, I kind of fear sometimes going back and watching these old films that I do have a kind of reverence for and a good memory of. Um, but this isn't one of them. I've gone back and I've watched it and I've enjoyed it. Like. At no point was I really distracted in this film. You know, I know I know the outcome. I know how it ends, but that doesn't change it for me. Um, I still really enjoyed this film, and I think that's, I think that that shows a real testament to what sort of film this was, how good it was. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You, you're the same as well. You kind of you've gone back and watched it, and you've yeah, you've the same kind of opinion. Like I I I kind of watch this anyway. You know what I mean? Like it's just I I I love this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. I, I'm the same. Like I go back and watch this stuff, but like I specifically went back to rewatch this last yeah. night just to make sure that it was as fresh in my mind as I could. Like, I, I suppose the key thing about it this this is a movie you would watch regardless of us doing that this podcast. You know what I mean? Exactly. So yeah. That's 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 the sentiment that's in it. You know what I mean? And it um. You know, apart from the nostalgia effect and stuff like that, there's good life goals in there as well and stuff like that. And you know, it is that people can change and you know, don't always don't always channel your mind into a single thinking and stuff like that and all that people can evolve and change and become better people. Um 
and don't always judge a book by its cover. Miyagi is a is a prime example of that. Never judge a book by its cover. You know what I mean? That, yeah. Well, I mean, the and, first time he meets Miyagi, Miyagi seems very um kind of dismissive. You know, he knocks on the door, and Miyagi just answers, "Yeah." And then he goes to open the door and Miyagi doesn't seem welcoming to him at all. So mm. even from the very start, you learn not to judge a book by a cover because Miyagi seems very dismissive and, you know, secluded and not a nice person at the start. You know, very yeah. don't come near me sort of thing. But then, you know, Miyagi learns and he he kind of he kind of judges LaRusso as well, even though he's a kid. He thinks this kid's kind of a bit brash and a bit arrogant opening his door. And then he goes to the house to fix the faucet mm. and he sees uh, he's fixing that and he sees LaRusso doing the karate and that he's training hard and things like that. And it changed both of their opinions of each other change yeah. very quickly once they get to know each other. And I think, as you say, it's a very good message of don't just judge the book by its cover because it's not just as his teams. Yeah, it, it's an all round feel good movie, really. You know what I mean? It that's, is. And I'm glad I went timeless. back to watch it. Yeah, that's timeless. Yeah. yeah. And I think. Th- there's going to be films that we go back and watch here, and I'm sure there's going to be a couple that I go back and watch, and I'm like, oh, that really doesn't hold up, or, you know, some of the stuff in that is a bit yeah. risky, yeah. and, you know, Jesus, you, you're probably like, how did they get away with that? You know, certain things like, but this isn't one of them. I think everything in this is kind of, it's a very good representation of kind of that teenage sort of angst in the kids, but with a lot of life messages for younger kids as well and kids yeah. of that age group. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it and I'm glad I really enjoyed it because as I said, there's always that fear that you'll go back and realize that the fond memories you have of something are, yeah. they're a bit, they're a bit uh, over-exaggerated and that you're only remembering them through rose tinted glasses. But I think even if I hadn't seen this film, I think it's one that I would enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But um, yeah, no, that's that's kind of this show all wrapped up. Um, I'll give you a chance to plug your your own shows. We gave them a small plug at the start, but yeah, well, we're dropping weekly shows at the moment. Now we have the Upper Tier Podcast, which is on the Dynamo Podcast Network, also on YouTube. Drop a subscribe on it. That's our football show that we do kind of weekly or bi-weekly, depending if we bonus shows. We're obviously going to be dropping extra content in January because the transfer windows open and stuff like that. And then obviously I'm I'm one of the members on the Four Podmen over there with with Jay, my tag partner, Ian, obviously who's the OG of the network. And uh, Joe, who's just come on, the beef Joe Dugner is doing a great job. He just We just did our first show there together. Uh, great dynamic and stuff like that. Really enjoying the pod, man, because it's um, it's four guys coming from four very different views, but with very, um, very passionate opinions about how we felt about moments in time and wrestling and stuff like that. So really enjoying, really enjoying um, both those. Obviously, Peter's on the, the upper tier with me. Peter's my partner on the upper tier, and he obviously has the superior comic book show. Um. That he pumps out once a week as well. Great content there for anyone who's into their comics or, you know, all that kind of superhero kind of stuff. He's, he's pumping out great content. Go over there and check it out. Again, all available on YouTube and all your podcast apps. Um, and now we have this one now, the retro one, which is Retrotainment, which is going to be really, really cool and really look forward to um, more episodes of this. It's going to be really fantastic. Yeah, and we'll definitely have you back on again, Niall. As we said, it was basically your idea that I've kind of, usurped and taken to myself um it was kind of it it was in a way kind of similar to the dynamo's half dozen which in a lot of times was just me and ian going back and watching uh old pay-per-views 
which is basically what retro retrotainment is going to be about, but it won't yeah. just be based on wrestling. Um, but that just kind of leads to, as you were saying, Joe has joined the the four Podmen, and obviously this week, uh, this week's episode was Royal Rumble 2000, which was a uh, a paper that I, a pay per view that I did remember fondly. Um, and I haven't gone back and watched, but I did listen to the episode, and I was like, the lads are right. There was a lot of stuff on this that was a bit like I kind of remember the Rumble itself, and I remember. Triple H and Cactus Jack, and that a lot, and the, yeah. the Hardys and the Dudleys in the yeah. the ladder in the tables match. That's it, though, really. And like I, I always think that was a great pay per view. But when I look back at it, I'm like, like when you were talking about it, I was like, geez, I don't even remember the rest of those matches. Like this is that, that's all I remember. Like, yeah. um, what I did like was Joe did very well for the the first podcast that he's jumped in on. Uh, he's a great addition to it, and I loved his um his death stats. Yeah, he's 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 really good that way as well. Joe, like Joe's a a trained pro wrestler himself. He obviously started out in NWA with Ian and stuff like that. And as, as far as I know, him and Ian had their first wrestling match together and stuff like that. Oh, so, that, that so that's interesting. There's a dynamic there between the two boys, anyway. You know, um. But yeah, it's it's great to have him on board, and you know, he's going to be brilliant for the podcast. And you know, it, it's just he, he's so um. Joe, he's so, uh, he's so matter of fact when he talks about wrestling. It's brilliant. Whereas, like, myself and Jay can sort of go off into the clouds at times. And, you know, you can see the nostalgia and the love and the romance comes out in the way we talk about it. Whereas Joe, Joe tends to bring us back down to earth and stick with the facts. of Yeah, the, which I think I think is a great addition to uh, the four yeah. podman because yeah. I've been on the one episode for Chris Jericho. But, uh, yeah, like all of us and Ian, Ian as well, even though he is... Yeah you know, the head honcho, we yeah. all kind of get sidetracked and kind of waffle off on a bit. Joe's yeah. that real straight shooter. He's like, yeah. lads, get yeah. back on track. Like, let's yeah. <laughs> let, let's try I mean, and keep you, this. You kind of you kind of need that because the romance can overtake it. And obviously, with Ian being the host, he obviously has very strong views on it and stuff like that. And obviously directs the episodes very well. But uh, he needs someone like Joe there who keeps it on track because myself and Jay, we tend to go into the romance of pro wrestling a lot, you know? Yeah, but Ian gets pulled off on that as well. Like, as uh, he does yeah. try to keep you on track as well, but he gets pulled off on that as well because you start romanticizing about things and then he yeah. gets pulled into it as well. Yeah. And he doesn't want to be, and it takes him a while, and then he realizes in his own head, he's like, I've just spent fucking 15 minutes with these yeah. lads waffling on. Yeah. I, I better get these back on track, which... Joe, I think, is a great addition because he kind of lets you do it for five minutes and then he goes, "No, yeah. back, back, back to business here, lads. Let's, yeah. let's, uh, let's get this, yeah. let's get the show back on the road." And in fairness, in fairness to Joe, Joe did brilliant because myself and Jay had him wound up terribly the week before the podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> we were we were giving him a terrible time about the choice of pay per view and everything, and <laughs> you know, to the point where I'm thinking he came with pages of information armed to the gear. <laughs> He thought he thought me and Jay were just gonna go in big time, but no, it was it was it was a great episode and great to that's, have him board. That that's a great little um little tidbit to get from like you know the backstage sort of uh, process yeah, yeah. of the show. Yeah. But um yeah no th- there's loads of shows now on the podcast Dynamo's podcast network. There's obviously the one that started at all Dynamo's dozen where Ian that tends to be more of a a kind of interview based um. Yeah. Yeah. podcast where he has different guests on some really big ones um as you said we're now on youtube we will be adding some of those old episodes because some of the some of the names that he's had on that are just they're too big not to to pump out into into youtube like obviously we won't have live video because that's not how it was yeah. done back then yeah but um no there's some of them that are just too big to yeah. the likes of phil phil Asselmo, 
um, Harley Race, which was a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just there's there's so many that people need to go back and listen to on his show alone. Yeah, it's a fantastic catalogue. I mean, if you haven't checked out that back catalogue on Dynamo's Dozen, I mean, Ian's been working relentlessly for the last three years on that, dropping dropping episodes and stuff like yeah. that. And it's it's a it's a fantastic catalogue, but it's also a quite diverse catalogue. I mean, he gets into a lot of stuff. I mean, he's had conspiracy guys on, you know, Ricky Knight's been on pages, dad and the family and stuff like that. I think uh, Dynamite Kids, Son, I think was on and stuff like that. Now, like they like they've had a ton of people on. Yeah, they, there's um, a lot of wrestling on it, but I like I wouldn't yeah. like people to think that this is you know, it's just a wrestling podcast because he's had he's had comedians on, as he said, he's had conspiracy guys on. Yeah, he's had mu- musicians on. It, yeah. It's a very it is very diverse, and it, it's great to see. Yeah, that it's it's still going so well for him. So, yeah. and I he has some. He's I'm not going to give away any any guest names now but he's he's told us a few of the guests that he has coming up and some of these are huge names some of them that i'm really looking forward to hearing yeah their opinions on the the fields that they focus in yeah yeah now he's he's a very strong catalog coming up as well and it's brilliant because it's going to be videoed as well now for youtube and stuff like yeah. that, which is a great development and i mean in terms of even the the, the network itself evolving i mean we're, we're only in its infancy it's only up a couple of months really you know what i mean but it's really it's really doing really well and you've dara dropping his content every week as well with the asi podcast covering. i American think that's changed like changed that. its name now as well the asi podcast is now um yeah the cent- well, I can't remember the name of it. It's something to do with American football, which I am not up on. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's changed its name, and then Carl is yeah. uh, King Woe's Court. Yeah, with, with the, the music. music. Yeah. Um, so it, even if you're not into certain bits, the you know the network. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to cater to the different genres that people might be into. To, yeah. Because although you might not be into pro wrestling, so the four pod men isn't for you. If you're into football, obviously the upper tier is there for you mm. to to listen in um, and obviously with youtube now it's it's very interactive because you can comment down below your opinions uh what you think of the episode if you agree or disagree with and we're all quite active on the the youtube page as well ourselves to try and you know if someone does comment we we respond back yeah. if you know if they're and trying and to don't be and don't be scared to comment because we're not that sensitive you know what i mean if you have something you want to say please say it you know what I yeah mean? and if they, there's, there's something no you want to hear discussed as well like if you want to hear a certain topic dis- discussed like absolutely it might not be something we've thought of so put it down there like we'll put it on the list and you know if we can get a good show out of it a hundred percent or or if you feel there's something that you can add to the network or something you'd like to get involved in certainly hit up in um and and let him know because he's he's very open to people coming on board he's very open to new shows very easy um, to get into into a discussion yeah. about it with him as well like as he said on uh the podcast with peter they only known each other a couple of like a couple of weeks before they'd gotten yeah. you know to this point where he was uh he uh where peter was going to have this podcast on the network yeah. like so yeah. it's not like he's you know he's not He's not a difficult guy to to contact, and he's not a difficult no. guy to sort out no. what you want to do with. No. And Ian, Ian is all about the opportunity. He's all about giving people the opportunity. If you've got a good idea for a show, or you want to come on as a guest or anything like that, he's all into that. He's all into that. He's all into giving people opportunity. He's all into you know expanding the network and getting it to grow. So if you have good ideas, hit him up. You know the email is there. You'll get him. On, most people know where he is on social media at this stage. Um. And it's it's 2021 is going to be a good year for the Dynamo Podcast Network. 
Um, I can see it expanding greatly into a lot of shows, a lot of additional content. Um, so drop over there, give it a subscribe, support it, especially during these times because we're working hard to bring content to people, especially during these times when people are struggling with their mental health, are locked down, are at home. And you never know, maybe it's a time to look at the things that you like and maybe open yourself up to other things. Yeah, it is, enjoy. definitely. You know, if your thing is wrestling, maybe you might get involved and enjoy a bit of the football stuff. Or, you know, certainly most people will enjoy this retro podcast because it's like it's, you know, it's fantastic. Everyone loves nostalgia and loves retro, you know. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, if, if American football isn't your thing, go over, check out Darren's content. You never know. You, there might be something in there that you might latch on to and you might enjoy it, you know. Yeah, like that's I, I'm, I'm not into American football myself, but like the first few podcasts I did listen to, it's kind of like I do. There, there's an interest there in American football for me. It's just it's the wrong side. I am very interested in the tactical side of American football, yeah. whereas, you know, this is how the coach yeah. says to make the play. But you don't yeah. get to watch that. Yeah. And Dara, in fairness, Dara with his content, he's very good at putting that across as well. You he know? is. And see, he, that, that was the problem. He put that across. And I was like, I could get into American football with this. But you yeah. don't get to see that. And that's that's kind of why I don't watch American football. But I do enjoy listening to that and hearing the tactical side because I that's something that I actually am very into, yeah. even though like a lot of people wouldn't be into that. But it's something that I think is very interesting, this this idea of how you're going to make this play. Like, why would you play that against this? Yeah. Why would you make that substitution? Why would you do this? I always think that's very interesting stuff. Like, and it's, you know, sometimes it's right and sometimes it's wrong. It works for you and then it doesn't work for you. Yeah, it's, but, like uh, a, it's like a tactical chess game, really. You know, yeah. What I mean? it's, it's and like, like that's when I was a kid. Like as you said, like chess was a game that I loved as a as a, as a kid. And I think yeah. if you if you're into that sort of thing, like the Dara's podcast is something to really give a listen to because he talks a lot about that. They do talk about the results and things like that. So maybe you know if you don't want to watch the games but you want to hear the results and hear about those, like this is the way to do it. Like if this is the way you want to follow American football, this is the way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But um, just before we wrap off here, I suppose we should kind of give a plug to the to the two sponsors of the show, get the admin right at the end so people don't have to listen to it. But um, obviously yourself, Niall, at Wrestling, Ma- Wrestle Ma- Wrestling Mania in town, um, one of the big sponsors of Dynamo's Dozen and the Dynamo Podcast Network. So therefore, all of the other shows um, closed again now for public, but not closed completely because there's always that online. Yeah, presence. we're still doing, still doing postal orders, still doing Facebook orders, all that type of stuff. And we're still, we're going to be in the shop once a week as well for a couple of hours, naturally doing all the COVID cleaning and all adhering to all those guidelines and stuff like that. So we can pick up stock and we're still getting deliveries on the daily, but they're just coming to the house now instead of the shop. So you'll still see new stock going up on the page. Or if there's anything you need order, just get in touch with us. We can process through card, PayPal, Revolut, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's just... It's it's business as usual, but just not with the familiar face and the banter that you get in the shop, basically. Yeah, and it's it's just through Facebook, isn't it? They just message on the Facebook page, yeah, is it? Yeah, just through Facebook is is perfect, you know. Or you know, I think most of my customers at this stage have my mobile number as well at this stage. Yeah, well, that's that's yeah. for the old customers that have been around yeah. for a while. But yeah, for but any you'll... new customers that might want to get involved, just contact. He's Niall's very easy to talk to, as you can see from this podcast. Just contact him on Facebook. If he if he doesn't have it, he'll sort you out if he can get yeah. it. Yeah. 
yeah any anything we can help out even if people just if people are struggling at the moment they want to come on and have a chat about wrestling or you know contact me any way you want i'm always there you know like to be honest with you 60 to 70 percent of the messages that come through with the page are more of a chat than they are a, a business transaction that tends to follow on so like if if anyone is struggling want to have a chat about anything they know where we are we're always available yeah and then the other sponsor is obviously another member of the network peter hart is Peter Hart Graphics. Um, he's designed a lot of the logos for the Dynamo's Podcast Network. Um, I don't know. Did he do the upper tiers one? I think he did. I think he did, didn't he? Yeah. He does. This, he, he does all the logos and graphics mainly for the network and stuff like that. I think he's done all of them except job. except my one, which is just me yeah. cutting and pasting things together because yeah. that's the way I wanted to do it. So yeah. if anyone thinks that my logo is a bit lower on the scale of compared to the other ones well there yeah. is a reason for that it's because i didn't use peter hart graphics that i just yeah. decided to use it myself he's again a really really easy guy to contact a really easy guy to get in contact with uh, really easy to talk to and um when the four pod men was originally being discussed um i was in the chat um when the the concept of uh how the design for the the logo to be used was being done the original one now these have a new one but so it's not this not this new one that i was involved in but the original one um and peter was obviously in the chat as well as we were discussing it with him very open to critic not not just criticism of that's crap because nobody's open to that sort of criticism but very open to criticism of tweaking things like i made suggestions some of which he was like yeah i could do that other ones he was like he did and then showed it to us and it looked even worse than before so i said i said nah don't actually do that it looks terrible but he's very open to taking pointers like he'll give you a base idea and if you have something that you think could be added to it he never takes it personally so very easy business person to deal with yeah well i suppose creating graphics and logos is is an ongoing event really you know it's never a moment in time but the, the the key thing for peter one of the talents he has is he can take a bunch of ideas off four guys and he can create it into something that's quite dynamic yeah, um, very good at it. He's very he's good at very amalgamating ideas. Yeah, and he's also, you know, he, he's brilliant at doing some of the other stuff in the background as well. He always helps out with the uploading of shows and the creating of sort of intros, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he runs a lot of our, he runs our Twitter and Instagram on the upper tier. I do the Facebook and stuff like that. And we share that, we share those sort of um, uh, jobs that have to be done and stuff like that. But he's all around good guy. You know? Yeah, very, very, very uh, easy to chat to as well. So, for that those are our two you know two big sponsors so if you ever need if you need wrestling merch or as as he said just a bit of a chat that's the one to go to wrestling mania uh and then if you need a graphic designed for anything peter hart graphics is the way to go so thank you very much for listening ladies and gentlemen and we will be back again next week we don't know the topic just yet but if you have any suggestions throw them down in the comments let us know and uh, if if it's one that we think we can do, we'll get on it. And if not, I'm sure we'll have something different for you.